Hello, welcome to another edition of the Evan Eichen Show. We are taping this on Tuesday, the 24th of September. Uh, the last time I had an interview was a few weeks ago. If you haven't heard, I Cody Clark and I, a former Waldorf, uh, former Waldorf classmate of mine, we started up a uh, weekly sports show called From the Booth over on uh, Anchor.com. You can follow us on Twitter, and I'll put all the relevant information in the description below. But my guest this week is, I have nearly completed the full set of comm professors. I got Carlos, which you, you know him as Charlie Gandez. I got Mark. I got Dave. And now, the fourth piece of the puzzle. I finally got her, Tiffany Olsen. So, uh, it's it's been a busy time during the school year, so uh, how, how have you been? I've been doing good, thanks. Alright, so we are a couple of weeks away from homecoming, mm-hmm. uh, how does it feel knowing that we're just a little bit closer to homecoming and we're closing out this 2010s decade and going to 2020? It's amazing. Well, as you know, here in the comm department, we are very involved in the homecoming event. So we've been spending the last couple of weeks getting really involved with the candidates. Um, last week in particular, we did a photo shoot of all the candidates for use in my class for publication design. Um, so they use all the photos that we took from that photo shoot in their posters, and they did rough drafts for those today, so we're seeing how that's going. And it's just going to all come together and be this big, wonderful, beautiful event for homecoming. And once upon a time, we didn't really have anything to do with that, but that ever since we took it over, it's become like <laughs> this huge thing. And yes. it just makes me feel like, oh, like how come they get all the cool stuff <laughs> after I after I leave? You were in that in-between phase, so we, we did the homecoming, the the meet, we call it meet the court now, it was originally called candidate review. Uh, we did that initially um, for about f- the first five years that I was teaching here, and then SWAT decided that they wanted to be more involved and took it over, and we had a little hiatus of about five to six years, and now we're back doing it again, and this is, I believe, our fourth year back doing it, so. Yeah, we're, we're, we're better at it anyway. We're pretty good at it, I won't. Yeah, well, I think that, uh, I mean, a better is a bit of a semantic term, but, like, since I was involved with the department, I my, my bias is showing. <laughs> so, we'll talk a little bit about how you wound up here. What is, like, what is your journey uh, for your career, and how did you wind up here? Well, actually, I'm a Waldorf alum, so I was here as a student. Uh, Waldorf, was at, Waldorf was actually a junior college when I attended and um, most students were here for two years and then went on to a different college or a different university to finish up their degree. Um, There were two programs that were BA programs at the time. Communications was one and the other one was business. Oddly enough, even though I teach in the communications department, I was not a communications major. I was actually here um, as a fine arts major and I intended to leave and, and go to Iowa State University after I had completed my first two years. But I really fell in love with Waldorf and it's a great community and I didn't want to leave. So they were starting up the Humanities BA, which allowed me to continue to do my fine art. So I stuck around for that, which I'm so thankful that I did. Uh, One of the things that was part of that, I got to travel to Europe and that's really what kind of changed my career path because I had intended to be a fine artist, painting, drawing, those types of things wouldn't be a very lucrative career, but it was what I loved doing. And then when I went to Europe, I saw all of this advertising that just inspired me. And I came back wanting to be a graphic designer. So came back, I had one year left here at Waldorf, 
and I took the communication classes that were related to graphic design so I, I was part of the communications department just not a major and then after I graduated I worked at a design firm in Mankato for several years and I heard that there was an opportunity to come back and teach as an adjunct professor here at Waldorf so I did that um, while I was finishing my my master's degree at Iowa State University so I kind of bounced around for a little bit and then ended up here working full-time after they did a search and I applied because I'd been working it's two years I worked as an adjunct and then they opened it up for full-time and I reapplied and was able to, to get the position so now I've been here this is the start of my 14th year at Waldorf so you wound up going to Iowa State anyway just not do you ever think about what would have happened if you went to Iowa State when you originally wanted to do it? Yeah, I I don't know if I would have been able to go to Europe. I think I would have missed out on a huge opportunity because I don't think I would have had the funds or the group of people supporting me to, to go. So I'm thankful that it worked out. I still got to go to Iowa State, um, but I think this was the path that I was, I was meant to take. Speaking of Iowa State, did you go to the College Ames um, Day that was there? I did not. It's <laughs> like, I, I know if, a, a couple of my high school friends that went to Iowa State went and they said, yeah, it was a zoo and we couldn't, we couldn't get around anywhere. Yeah. But they went just for the experience because, like, exactly. we're probably never going to get game day again. <laughs> so we're just going to go and enjoy this moment right. while, while we can. Right. But, it did have, but it did give way to one of, like, the greatest news stories of the year where, like, the Carson King Bush Light guy, <laughs> he's raised over a million dollars so yes. far. So, uh, so good on him. Good on him. <laughs> Uh, what was your time at uh, ISU like? It was overwhelming. Um, getting my master's was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, they really do push you, and going through the process, you are overwhelmed and stressed and wondering how you're going to be able to get everything done that they're asking of you. But once you, you've completed it, you've earned it, um, you look back at it, and it was it was wonderful that they were seeing the potential in me and pushing me as hard as that they they were because they saw that potential so I it was a love-hate relationships to to begin with <laughs> so was it like heavily skewed towards the hate side at the um, beginning the the first few months I would even say the first year was was yes um it was a it was a difficult adjustment to come back to school. I had been working full-time as a graphic designer in Mankato and going back to university setting and having to follow parameters that I didn't necessarily have to in my full-time employment was a little bit of an adjustment and one of my professors who ended up being one of my favorites in the end really pushed me hard and sometimes I thought he was out to get me so yes there was a little angst towards him, but eventually I learned that he was just trying to push me because he wanted me to continue to improve. So it ended up being that he was he was a great guy in the end. So how did you take the edge off? Like when you're in school and it gets just so overwhelming and you're and you're up to insane levels of stress. Like what right. did you do to just like I just need to just be me and just take the edge off for a little while? Well this is gonna be pretty nerdy. Um, so I had a good group of friends down at Iowa State, and all of us enjoyed playing board games. So we would often take turns going to each other's houses or apartments on the weekends, and we would play a lot of board games. Um, I'm not going to lie, the other Tiffany, she was Texas Tiffany, uh, she and I were pretty good at Cranium, because when we partnered up, it was pretty hard to, to beat us in Cranium. So <laughs> You, you got you to watch out for those Tiffany's. Like those Tiffany's, gonna... yes. 
Yeah, uh, I think that I think that might have been how they actually phrased it at that point. <laughs> T squared is what we went by. <laughs> I mean, hey, why not? If, if the opportunity presents itself, you're going to do it. Exactly. And then, so you've been here for 14 years, yes. but you were an adjunct before that. Do you think that being an adjunct gave you a bit of an advantage when you were applying? Because, well, we've already worked with this person for a couple of years, so it's not like mm-hmm. this is a brand new person right. off the street. We're going to have to learn how how to work with them, their right. quirks and all. So do you think that gave you a bit of an advantage? Um, it could, but I think that they looked at all the applicants and really weighed who was going to be the best fit for Waldorf. So I'm, I'm glad that they did that because I feel like I earned it rather than, okay, she's been here for two years. Let's just keep her here. Um, so I, you know, I wasn't on that side of the conversation, but just from from where I stood as an applicant, I really think that they explored all of their options. They brought in individuals that they thought that they were interested in, and, and they had the same opportunities as I did to present their work, to teach a class, um, and to also speak with the committee. So in the end, uh, I'm glad it worked out the way that it did, but still I'm, I'm glad that they treated me like any other candidate. Uh, what was that first year when you got, like, how much do you remember of that first full year? <laughs> first full year. Um, first full year was getting adjusted to a couple of new classes. I had been teaching visual theory and publication design, so during my adjunct time I had kind of gotten those situated. The first year of teaching any class is always a struggle because you're trying to figure out how much content can I fit in this time, what do I want them to learn, those different types of things. Um, but as I became full-time, I took over web design, which was a four-credit class, so it was more days of the week, which I'm fine with, but it's a lot more material to try and cover in a week than you would, for example, a three-credit or a two-credit class. Um, so I was adjusting to that, and then as I progressed, I introduced two additional courses into the curriculum, which was Introduction to Graphic Design and then a Typography class. And then eventually graphic design history just to kind of tie into the new track of graphic design that we were we were bringing on board to communications. So you had to like actually pitch like the classes being able, like like a Shark Tank. You had um, to you just <laughs> sort of like okay, this is what I want to do and this is how I want to do it. Right. Because uh, it's not like you can just say, well, I'm gonna teach this now, and they're like. Okay, cool. Like, I imagine there's like a system in place. That... There is, there is. I'm not quite like Shark Tank, but sometimes you feel like you're in that position where you're in front of these people who are, are going to judge whether you can do this or not. Um, no, there's a form you fill out for a new class. You propose it. They want to know the objectives, the learning objectives that you hope to, to achieve. Um, there's some additional budget things and, and things like that that go into it. And then you actually propose it to what is called Faculty Senate here on campus. And if they approve it, then it goes to the full faculty and they vote yay or nay whether you're going to introduce that class or not. So, a little bit. Have you ever had one of your ideas shot down? Um, not in proposing a class, but in graphic design, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what does that feel like when you've spent all this time, uh, you, you, you've got this idea, this is great, and then you pitch it to the guy and they're just like, no. No. Like, I've gotten better. Initially, as a young designer, I pretty much took everything to heart because my design pieces almost were like part of me. Um, grad school helped helped uh, cure me of that, definitely. We had to do critiques all the time and they were pretty brutal. 
Um, so now when I design something and they don't like it, my goal is more, what, what can I do to make it better? What were you thinking? What were you envisioning? And then just kind of going from there and trying to get more from whoever I'm working for. Um, whether it's here at Waldorf if I'm doing a project or if I'm working with a freelance client. So I've gotten a little thicker skin over the years. Uh, working with clients, uh, what's what's that like? Because clients are a bit like unpredictable and some of them can be unreasonable. <laughs> like what is like, have you ever had like the client from hell who just like had no idea what they wanted yeah. and their ideas were so vague <laughs> that you had no idea what to work with? Yeah, and, a few times at the design firm I, I had a few clients that were difficult to say the least to work with. Um, I had one client in particular who'd come in and had designed something in Microsoft Word and said, can you make me a website that looks something like this? So I took the main idea of, of what he had uh, and translated it into more appropriate design programs and, and made it look a little bit more, this is going to be a tiffism, uh, designerly. And um, he absolutely hated it because he literally wanted me to take that Microsoft Word document, cut it up, and put it on the web. So that project we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on. <laughs> I don't think he fully understood what it is that <laughs> you guys were doing. Like, make a website out of it. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, the, I wouldn't begin to know what to do with that. Yeah. With that description. <laughs> did Did it end up working out or like? Eventually, yeah. Um, luckily, again, I was working at the design firm when I did this, so there were a team of people that were working with me. We had a project manager, we had a content writer, and the project manager was really the one that kind of went in and said, okay, we understand that you're, you're really proud of this design you've created in Microsoft Word, but our designers need to convert it into something that we can put on the web. Um, so it, it took some conversations and a little bit of understanding, and I did some rework on it to try and make it look a little bit more like he originally wanted, and, and eventually we got to to the product that he was happy with. How heated do those discussions get between you, a project manager, and another okay. designer? How heated do those get? Um, usually, I'm pretty even keel, so um, they usually don't get too heated. You can usually tell if I'm frustrated with something, I will. I might have something snarky to say. Um, but I usually don't do that in front of the client. I try and maintain my composure and be as professional as I can in front of the client and, and uh, just try and work through it and, again, see how we can improve things, change things so that they're happy with the product. I'm happy putting the product out in the world, and uh, we all come out with smiles. Do you have sort of like a favorite memory from when you were in that design firm like oh yeah that one client remember when he had that really <laughs> wacky idea and we all thought it was funny and it turned out to be great um that's not necessarily clients i made some great friends and when we did our think tank sessions oh my goodness we would end up laughing so hard some of the most um fond memories i have from that is when we were creating our christmas cards for the company uh, we always try to do something creative, and this was during the time when the program Flash was very popular, so you were doing all these animated things. It's still kind of a thing. But... Kind of. It's kind of on its way out. Um, but we, we were always trying to do something better than the year before, so we'd come together, and we'd all come with our ideas, but as we started to bounce ideas off of each other, the ideas just grew and snowballed to even funnier things, and... And it was just, it was amazing, the things that we could come up with and just the laughs that we had in doing that. Did you ever, like, take one of those joke projects and then actually make it <laughs> and then pitch it and be like, oh, my God, this worked? Uh, we, we had one. We never pitched it because it was actually a joke on our actual company. So the company that I worked for was James Tower, 
and it was named after the streets that we were on. We were on James Boulevard, Tower Avenue. So not super creative on how they named the company. But we moved locations while I was working there and we were no longer on those streets, but still kept the company name. And people that didn't know the company would call and, and they'd want to talk to the boss who was, they thought, James Tower, which was incorrect. That was not the boss. So we came up with this idea of Jimmy T. So when we made a little cartoon character, called him Jimmy T. So if people wanted to talk to him, we had a little animated thing. So it was just, it was kind of more of an inside joke that, that, we, um, that we all did to humor ourselves because of people making the wrong mistake when they called the company. It reminds me of uh, my first job when I was in... Uh... My first job when I just got out of college, I was working at this uh, convenience store with a few friends, and we had, like, we pitched this idea, and we actually got around to writing a script, but we never actually did it, of doing, like, one of those, like, company, like, training, like, advertising videos, and the whole thing was, like, B-plus service, because we all can't get A's, huh. and the whole, and we just, so we, we just kind of went with it. We're like, yeah, we're never going to make this, but we just thought it was so funny. The idea of B-plus service because, like, everyone can't get A's. Right, right. That's funny. <laughs> and it's like, we actually got around to writing a script, and we're like, well, we could do this, but I feel like we're going to get in a whole bunch of trouble if we do. Mm-hmm. So we're just not going to. <laughs> oh, excuse me. There's a part of the loud background noise. Just a fire alarm. Yeah, that's just a thing that <laughs> happens. Uh, Mid-recording, the fire alarm goes off. Oh. Uh, Working with students, was there ever a student idea that you thought, yeah, that's a great idea, but this isn't class appropriate, you need to do something else? Um, yeah. It wasn't so much, well, there was one that was designed. Uh, so I don't allow alcohol or drug paraphernalia advertised in my class, and one student was adamant that he wanted to do an advertisement for Budweiser. We had conversations before, after, during critiques, and I said, you cannot turn this in, you, you won't pass, but was really excited about it and still did it anyways. Um, so that was one actual student project, but I, when I used to teach visual theory, we did um, shock advertising. I don't know if you remember that when you were a student. Oh, isn't that like shock advertising where it's like, go right up to the line but not cross it? Yeah, yeah. So we, we spend that unit learning about it. So I'd ask students to bring existing examples in. Someone brought porn, didn't they? No. Oh. It <laughs> probably would be close. Um, there was a banned Skittles commercial that if you go and watch it, it's terrible. But it was a video. So we watched it and it went up on the screen and I just prayed to God that no tour groups would go by while this commercial was praying or was was playing because I was mortified. Um, when the, when it's when it was done, I, I just I didn't know what to say other than well, that was incredibly inappropriate. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. <laughs> uh, what what was the commercial? Um, so it was a bride and a groom. Um, they were consummating their marriage and. The, the Skittles were used to represent some of that. So. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that. Yes. It was like, how did this get approved? Yes. So how did this get it approved? It did not. It, it was not allowed <laughs> no, to No, like, I'm talking it. about, like, well, they still filmed it. They, they did. Like, so yeah. the Skittles guy, it's like, I mean, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I guess that's the best way I could describe it. Right. But you were just like, yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> that happened. And you just didn't know what to do with that. Uh, was there ever, like, a time where, like, like you personally like objected to it but you're like well it still fits in the parameters so I'm gonna roll with it um gosh that's a good question 
No, again, because I'm pretty easygoing, and if it's if a student can explain it to me, and they're supporting it, uh, whether I agree with it or not, um, I'm okay with it because I don't expect everybody to have the same viewpoints as me, and I'm not gonna have the same viewpoints as them. So as long as it's it's um, appropriately appropriately um, presented and it's not showing anything terribly, then yeah, I'm usually okay with it. Oh, so. Uh, one thing that I'm sure that maybe the community, I mean, the comm community does, but maybe not the community at large, is that you've had skin cancer. Yes, I have. Uh, how did, when did you first notice you had it, and what have the treatments been like for that? Well, I first learned I had skin cancer. Well, I didn't know it was skin cancer, but I first had it checked uh, my senior year of high school, so it was a long time ago. I had a strange looking spot on my back and I had gone to a skin cancer clinic that they had in Mason City and they took a look at it and told me, no worries, you're young, it's too young to be skin cancer and basically just told me to go on with life. Um, so several years have passed, I'm now up in Mankato working as a designer and I had gotten this weird growth on my right wrist and it was interfering with me using the mouse. It was just uncomfortable and cumbersome. So I decided to go check it out and the doctor said, we think it's a fatty tumor. We're just going to remove it and um, we'll let you know. I freaked out. I never had stitches in my life, never been cut, so kind of freaked out. And for some reason I thought it would be a good idea to say, hey, take a look at this mole on my back and let me tell, let me, let me know what you think. So they're like, we're going to take that too. I honestly do not remember what happened after that particular point, um, but I snuck out and called my family. My now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was pretty upset with me and drugged me back to the doctor. <laughs> the fatty tumor on my wrist had disappeared at this point, so I feel like that was my, my sign that you need to get in and check this out. So they took a mole and then they found another one close to it that they decided to take both of them just to see. And again, no worries, you're young, they just look a little weird. Um, so about a week or two later, I can't remember the exact time, I got a call that it was melanoma. It was stage two melanoma. And they immediately transferred me to Rochester where they had to do deeper cuts to remove the rest of the tumor. I had to have a chest x-ray, um, a couple other things just to make sure that the, the cancer hadn't spread. And luckily it hadn't spread um, and with the additional surgeries, I was able to have the cancer completely removed. However, um, several years later, when I was expecting my first child, um, my, my moles started growing again, which is a sign that you need to look for when you have skin cancer. So I probably had over 30 moles biopsied while I was pregnant with my, my first child, and three of them ended up being melanoma. I have two, I call my twins, they're one on each arm. They were both stage two, and then I had one on the back of my leg that was a stage one. So same process, just removing skin. hadn't hadn't traveled any further, but I've got some some pretty nifty battle wounds from my battles with skin cancer. So. Are you are you done with it at this point? Or? Um, no, they think I am predisposed to skin cancer, so it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. So I just I go in every year, have a yearly checkup. Um, they they have quite a library of all my moles. They've taken photographs of my moles. So they just will look at them, compare if they've changed color, shape, form, uh, any of those types of things, and they take them, biopsy them. So I've had a lot of precancer, but luckily 
if you want to call it lucky, I've only had five actual cancers. So your your husband drug you back to the hospital? Pretty much. What happened? Like, um, he was not happy with me that I was not taking the doctor's advice and having having what was considered you know an issue removed. So, um, so he stayed with me. He was very adamant. He even wanted to come when they biopsied me, but they wouldn't let him in the room because just for contamination issues. Um, they have to keep it pretty clean in the room. So he was disappointed that he didn't get to see that, but, um, I'm yeah. sure he's fine with it. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure yeah, he's fine he with is. It. He likes that kind of stuff. I'm surprised he didn't become a doctor. So, but yeah, um, there's still time. You can still do it if you really uh, wanted to. Yeah, I suppose you could, but I think that would be a good place for us to wrap up. We've hit all of the, we've hit all of the stops. We talked about homecoming. And I really hope this audible is uh, this audio is still usable with the fire alarm blaring in the yeah, background. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, that that was the thing that happened. That's probably the strangest thing I've had happen <laughs> during these interviews. Oh yeah, halfway through the TIFF interview, uh, the fire alarm went off. <laughs> so uh, assuming this audible is still this this audio is still usable, you can check you can check out the Evanation Show on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I'm no longer on Podbean. I'm on, I'm on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm slash Show, all one word, you can find my entire feed going all the way back to the very first episode. So for Tiffany Olson, I'm Evanation saying so long, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>